We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Good afternoon, everyone. So seminary, as you know, if you don't know what seminary is, seminary is uh, where you go to study to become a priest. Seminary is a weird place. It's a great place. It's a weird place. You lock up, you know, 100 guys for seven years and hope they come out as priests. Um, But your first year is is a particularly kind of strange time because your first year, everybody enters in and you're just nervous about where you fit in. And we have what we call the spirituality year here in Denver. It's an awesome thing. And everybody in your first year, though, you're sizing each other up. This is just what happens. We've got two seminarians. They can tell you this is just true. And when you go, you're like, maybe I'm not holy enough. And you're nervous about that. At least I was. And so just weird things happen. And so I remember like in chapel... You're done after Mass, and you're done praying, and you're, like, just silent. But you don't want to get up, because what if no one else has gotten up yet? And so everybody's, like, praying, but you're kind of like... That's, and that's just what you do. Um, my first year, I was kind of like that. Where you're trying to figure that out. And in my class of guys, I was blessed to have a great group of men with me in seminary. And one of them is going to get thrown under the bus today, as is right and just. Uh, But many of you know Father Brady Wagner. Father Brady is just a phenomenal priest. He's been a friend of mine for close to 20 years. Just a great guy. But Brady, though, didn't, he wasn't the guy that was doing that, like just to kind of match up. He just is that way. Uh, Father Brady is one of the deepest people I have ever met in my life. Um. In seminary, I think during classes, in seven years of classes, I think he said about five words. And it was because he, he's such a deep thinker and feeler. It wasn't that he wasn't engaged. It was actually the opposite. He was so engaged, and he had such a contemplative heart that he was just wrestling with what he was learning. And it was it's just like, you know, so deep. So anyway, so my first year... <clears throat> You're not allowed in your first year to have media. You can't watch TV. You can't be on your computer. You can't have a phone. All of that is basically for very, very restricted. And, but every once in a while, you get a free day. And so one of the free days we got, uh, Father Brady wanted me to watch a movie. And I was in my, like, I'm really holy-like thing, and I don't watch movies that's for sinners, right? And so I was like, I can't watch a movie. Like, why would we do such a thing? And I was being really uptight and strange. But Father Brady was trying to convince me, and I was like, and back then, neither of us were priests, so I was like, Brady, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, wait, this is like the deepest, like, holiest guy I know. And I was like, probably the kind of movie he's going to want me to watch is going to bring me closer to God. It's going to be really insightful and profound, and like it's going to draw me to be more cultured man and more of what I should be. And he kept pressing, so finally I was like, okay, I'm in. What what are we watching? And I had never heard of it, but he goes, Brian, you are going to love this movie. 
It's called Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> I still wish I had those two hours of my life back. <laughs> and if you don't know what Napoleon Dynamite is, praise God. Um, no, actually, I, I've grown to like it a little bit at least. But I had all these expectations, right? And, and I had this expectation, if it's going to be Brady, of all people getting me to watch something, is probably going to be like kin to like Schindler's List. And I thought it would be like that. And so when that movie came on, I was just like horrified. You know, you're watching Uncle Rico, like they're going to throw the football over the mountains. And you're like, I'm like, what is going on? And what I want to talk about today is relates to our gospel. This leads us into what I really want to hit you with today. Our readings are so beautiful. They're so powerful. And what I did with Brady that day is I had this expectation of if he was going to do this, it had to look like this. It had to fit my expectations. And so I wasn't prepared and I wasn't open for anything else. Now, by the way, if you see Father Brady, he still loves Napoleon Dynamite. We're going to be together after Christmas, and I guarantee you, somebody from Lourdes will tell him that I gave this homily, and he'll be like, Larkin, we've got to watch that again. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> I'm leaving the Companions of Christ. Um, how does this relate? How does this relate to our gospel? Here's the thing. Our gospel today and our first reading and our responsorial psalm they're all about almost, you could say, the resume of the Messiah. And so our uh, first reading from Isaiah 35, our responsorial psalm, Psalm 146, they're telling us the expectations people had about what's the Messiah going to be? What is he going to look like? And in our gospel, Jesus is hinting at those readings, and we're going to see there's another one that is hinted at, and we'll get to that one. But Jesus is showing you, saying, look, and let's just go there. In Matthew 11 today, John the Baptist from prison hears about the deeds of Christ, and he sends his disciples, and he, they ask Jesus, they say, for John, they ask, are you the one who's going to come, or shall we look for another? Are you really the Messiah, is what John the Baptist is asking today. And if you're anything like me, it's an odd question. Because here, we're here in Matthew chapter 11. At the beginning of Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist baptizes Christ. And at that moment, the heavens are torn open. The Holy Spirit falls on Jesus and God the Father speaks from heaven and says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And so whenever I read Matthew 11, I always think, like, John, seriously, what's wrong? You remember eight chapters ago, right? You, you saw this. You saw the miraculous moment of Christ's baptism. And maybe that's like your life. If you're anything like me, there was a point in my life that I had a moment like Jesus' baptism. Right? When I was in college and at different points in my life, I've had these experiences where it felt like that. It was like the heavens opened up 
And I just knew that he was everything. I just knew it. I knew it from the depths of my heart, all through my soul. I just knew it. What happens for most of us, and if you haven't had that experience, by the way, I would encourage you to ask God for that. And I would encourage you to take a chance on him. It always helps to grow closer to God when you say, Jesus, I'm willing to take a chance. I know in my life I should be doing this better. And you know what, God? I don't feel you in my life. I'm going to take a chance. But if you've had that, what usually happens is you have this powerful experience, but then life happens. And years pass. And when you encounter suffering in your life, whether it's something dramatic or maybe it's the, the loneliness of isolation. Maybe it's a lack of hope in your life. Whatever it might be, you encounter suffering and then you look back and you say, gosh, was that real? That, that moment I saw the heavens open and the spirit fall, did I just, did I make that up? And you wonder if your faith is real or not. And here's the key today that I want you to get. Why is John asking this question? Right? Jesus gives his resume. He says, look, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. And the poor have the good news preached to them. It's like, that's pretty impressive, right? So why is John questioning? Here's why. There's another prophecy that we're supposed to hear in Matthew 11. It was in our psalm today, in Psalm 146, but it's also in Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61 is when Jesus gave his very first sermon. In Luke chapter 4, he reads from this passage. In Luke chapter 4, the very first thing Jesus reads from to preach is what I'm going to read you right now. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And by the way, that word, the Lord has anointed me, an anointed one in Hebrew is Messiah. So this passage, again, is about the Messiah. The Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted, well, in Matthew 11, Jesus has been doing that. The gospel is being preached to the afflicted. Check. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Check. Jesus is doing that. And here's what I want you to hear, though. This is the key to today's reading. The Lord has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The Lord has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. When John the Baptist sends his disciples to ask the question to Christ today, John is in prison. And so the Messiah, yeah, the Messiah is supposed to cure the blind and the deaf and the lame. And Jesus is doing all that. But there's one thing he's left out. 
The Messiah is supposed to set free those who are in prison. John the Baptist is a righteous, holy prophet. And he's in prison. And he's been put there by a very evil man. Right? John, if you're married, John the Baptist, I always think is the best uh, patron saint for, for marriages because he, he gave his life for the dignity of marriage. What he did is that the king, uh, Herod Antipas, he preached against him because he had married his brother's wife. And John called him out on it. And he'll be beheaded for that in Matthew chapter 14. But here's a point. The whole point today, right? We have expectations. When, I, when Father Brady said, I want to show you a movie, I thought it's got to look like this. You and I have expectations of what God has to be. And so John doubts what happens to all of us. We usually don't doubt our faith because we don't understand something. We doubt our faith because we suffer. And John's in prison. And Jesus, are you real? If you're really the Messiah, the Messiah sets captives free. And here I am in prison. I am the one who is suffering for righteousness. Maybe that's you. And you say, God, if you're real, why is this happening in my life? Why am I in prison? Why did my spouse leave me? Why are my children suffering? Lord, why is it so hard? And all of us do that. And I want to encourage you, if you've done that, I think that's actually a good thing. If you're going to be a real Christian, you've got to be in the game. You've got to wrestle with God. People who are, who are struggling are people who are engaged. And that's a good thing. But brothers and sisters, here's what I want you to think about today. God always fulfills his promises. Always, but usually not the way you think. There's a great sermon I read this week on, on John the Baptist in prison. God does set all captives free. And I think it's St. John Damascene. says John the Baptist was the most free person in the world at that time because he may have been in a physical prison, but his soul was united to God. Right? And John the Baptist had a greater freedom than any of us have. God always fulfills his promises, maybe not how you want him to. Right? We all think, Lord, if you love me, right, I just want to live closer to Lord's, and houses are about a billion dollars in this neighborhood. Could you please just cause a housing crash for one day? I'll get a house in the neighborhood, and then it can go back up again, right? And he doesn't do it. He doesn't, he doesn't make that happen. We wonder why it's like, God, you've got to fulfill my prom the promises you make to me. He always does, but not the way you think he's going to. He said to me when I had my conversion, God, and I didn't hear a voice, but I knew that the promise of God was that if I followed him, I would be happy. 
but it's not the way you think. Right? I always think my happiness is going to be comfort and smooth ride and everything goes my way. And God never does that. This is why you and I do not believe in a health and wealth gospel. It's a lie. It's not true. But what Jesus said to me, he said, Brian, if you follow me, you'll be happy. But in a different way than you expected. What he says to me is, he says, Brian, you want to be happy? Lose your life. And the way to happiness isn't having more. It's not having an easy life. That's not what happiness is. And Jesus has to turn me upside down. He has to say, Brian, you want to be happy? Lose your life. Just like I lost mine. And when you do that, you will find happiness. You'll find a joy you never could have found otherwise. Right? The only way to find your life is to lose it. God always fulfills his promises. Now think about this. Jesus could have set John the Baptist free. He could have let him out of prison. He is God. He can do anything. But if he had done that, it would have been a lesser thing for John the Baptist. God had a higher calling for him. Imagine, right? Imagine if you and I didn't have John the Baptist. John had to suffer in prison, and now he is crowned as one of the greatest saints in the history of the world. And his blood speaks to us. It gives us courage that you and I can suffer for things that matter. Imagine if Mother Teresa, before she went to serve the poorest of the poor, she was in a congregation. She loved. She was happy. She could have just said, yes, this is Christianity. I say yes to you. You make things easy. And we wouldn't have Mother Teresa God called her and he said, come out of your comfort, come out of the ease, and come serve where it hurts. That's what God does for us. And was it hard for Mother Teresa? Of course it was. But she found the joy that can only come when you lose your life for Christ. What are your expectations for God, brothers and sisters? Right? Do you put these conditions on him? Do you say, Lord, if you love me, my life is supposed to look a certain way. You got to give that up. You got to give it up. God does not call you to comfort. He does not call you to ease. He calls you to holiness. And that is far, far greater than an easy happiness. Far greater. And so Jesus, today, Lord, will you strip us of our expectations? Lord, may you make it clear to each of us that we are not the ones who judge you, but you are the one who judges us. Lord, I know your plans for me are harder than mine are. I know that. But I know they're better. 
Lord, free us from our fears of suffering, from our love of comfort. Lord, free us from our expectations. Jesus, that you may truly be our Savior.